0: The following audio is via a Skype call.
1: Welcome to the hit show, Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef Rossi. Eat show, Rossi, a.k.a. Chef Rossi, and author of the hit memoir, The Raging Skillet mouths off about different subjects in a pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up our minds. Look out. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth using the subject of each show as a framework for uplifting, inspiring, and what exuberant conversations. So get ready for that appetizer that will wet your whistle as we lean into the main course of the day issues, conversations, things that are heavy on your minds, but lightening up your heart and ending each show off with that sweet, sweet, sweet dessert of inspiration. Now, here is your host, Chef Rossi. Chef, here we are. (laughs) Chef Rossi, everybody, I'm Dr. Pat. For those of you that, uh, Uh, want to find out a little bit more about Chef Rossi, please, wrote a fabulous book, The Raging Skillet. Now that's being met, that has been made into a play. uh, And we're going to tell you a lot more about it. But today, you know, this is a conversation that is uh, coming up to the forefront. America, land of the free, home of the deported. Exactly. That's Uh, really what it is. Well, yesterday, uh, uh, a report came out on how America is now viewed to the world. You know what what when people think about us today, what do they think about? And um, clearly, there's some mixed reviews depending upon the country that you look at. What but did I think England the- say? <laughs>
2: you got to wonder right off the bat,
1: right? England's like, seriously, you're messing in our labor laws? Uh, yeah, okay. But I think the conversation is really about what do we believe in? What are we here as Americans, what do we believe? What do we believe about freedom? And I think that's the question that a lot of folks are are wrestling with. Um, A friend of mine said, you know, my daughter is too young to realize what's at stake to lose because she's never been without it. And I thought, let me think about that phrase. Okay, wait, what's at stake to lose because you've never been without it? And I think that's the real conversation. So what's going on is people are talking about What is there to lose? But if you've never been without it, then you don't know what it took to get it. That's why the older
2: people are frightened and the younger people are, like, confused.
1: Well, can you blame them? I mean, if you've never been there, right, it's kind of like the commercials on TV, Chef, right? Where there's a young person playing on a working on a computer, and a mom comes out and says, "Honey, put away your computer," and she says, "What's a computer?"
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. right. (laughs) Well,
2: all of this came up a lot with the Fourth of July. There Mm -hmm. were so many people I knew that really could not celebrate the Fourth of July. They were like, "This is supposed to be a celebration of freedom." You know how we got out of this intolerant king of England, and, you know, to be independent and free and self-governed, and is supposed to celebrate freedom. And they're like, well, how can we feel like celebrating freedom right now when we have what appears to be pretty much a dictatorship taking over our democracy, and a whole lot of people just blindly following, similar to the way people blindly followed Adolf Hitler and his rise to power. And certainly Mm -hmm. doesn't make you feel like celebrating You know, I went back, and I was, like, rereading things, and I think about the Declaration of Independence. I mean, just that name, you feel so proud and and powerful, Declaration of Independence. And it was signed back in 1776, and it said, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So mm-hmm. I grew up feeling like this was just the best thing in the universe. But then, you know, as I got older, some things kind of bubbled up, like all men are created equal, but women weren't allowed to vote until 1920. All men are created equal, but most of the signers of the Declaration of Independence owned slaves. Um. And, yeah, a lot of the founding fathers were against slavery, but not enough. Slavery wasn't abolished until 1865, and Mm -hmm. we had to go to war to do it. But um, Immigrants back then were fine for a really long time in our history. We were a struggling new nation. We needed our immigrants, and we gave them the same rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness the natives had, which is, again, a little problem because we were celebrating the rights the pursuit of happiness of natives, but that didn't really include the Native Americans. You know, they were raped and tortured and forced to assimilate, Mm -hmm. you know, jailed, put on reservations, you know, but, you know, the other natives, the one we like. So 80 million immigrants came and we embraced them. You know, your grandparents probably came, my grandparents came, escaping anti-Semitism in Eastern Europe. They were welcomed by the great lady, the Statue of Liberty, and there she was, giving your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The problem is that the 45th president of the United States is not a fan of those huddled masses.
1: Hmm. He
2: immediately, seven days into office, tried to ban Muslims from entering the country. He's still now doing that. His zero-tolerance policies separated thousands of children from their parents, and even though he was forced to kind of take it back, um, what do we have, like 1,500 kids missing now that they can't seem to regroup? Yeah. I mean, this does not feel like the kind of America that we're supposed to be celebrating. It does not yeah. feel like freedom or liberty or anything like that. It feels like the cross between a dictatorship and the birth of Adolf Hitler part two. It's terrifying.
1: Yeah, you know, part of this too, it's not just the children they can't find. See, now they have the children and they cannot find the parents. Ah
2: so they deported them
1: already. Because well who knows? They either sent them back to wherever they came from or the parents got here And said, okay, I need to make myself safe somehow. And so, I mean, I can't even imagine. But, you know, listen, all you need to do is think about our own personal journey as children. Anybody listening to this that has grown up in any family with any sort of trauma, abuse, Mm -hmm. separation from parents, you name it. Oh, you yeah. know, to this day, you're still, you're still dealing traumatized. with those. I'm
2: yeah. so traumatized by being lost in JCPenney's, you know.
1: These oh, kids are
2: yes. separated oh from their parents and put in mm-hmm. cages. And I remember I was hearing, you know, that they were, every day I would hear another terrible thing, that they're traumatized, they can't stop crying, they're in shock, they may never recover from the trauma. I mean, on and on and on. And then one day, and I'm like, oh, that's terrible, oh, that's terrible. And then one day I hear, and they're all constipated. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm Jewish. They've constipated the children. That sort of was (laughs) my breaking point, just so you know.
1: (laughs) But, you know, today what we're looking at is I think we're soul searching within ourselves, each and every one of us, to really try to find that place where we absolutely know what we stand for. And I think that is, you know, for so many people, we're in the closet, so to speak, about what we believe in as if somebody else might come along and save our rights uh, as women. I mean, we're now seeing what happened as a result of the Supreme Court case Mm -hmm. about the gay couple and the wedding cake. I know now we're seeing more and more and more and more of them. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If if uh, if a Muslim f- couple comes in to the store and says, uh, I would like to order a wedding cake, uh, and you say, no, it's against my religion to do that. I I don't believe in who you are.
2: That's what it's all boiling up to.
1: That's what it's all boiling up to.
2: The Supreme Court just protected the man who refused to bake a gay wedding cake. So first of all, if you are baking wedding cakes, you are the last person in the universe who should be implanting your religious views on your clients. But I think that the only thing that people should ask when you come in for a wedding cake is, do you love each other? You know that could be your guideline. Oh, you don't love each other well, then I won't do the cake. That's the only criteria I think I could ever uh, I could ever abide by that if you don't love each other, you can't have a cake. We only do cakes for people who love each other. Then all the people who hate each other and are getting married to please their parents, they're at they're not gonna get their cake. But other yeah. than that, you know, leave everyone alone and keep your religion where it belongs in the church or the synagogue. Keep it out of the friggin cakes. Come on. Meanwhile, this guy deserves to go bankrupt like it's nobody's business. But, of course, he's going to have a lot of right-wing conservatives that want to support mm-hmm. him now. You know, just like they thought the woman with that scary mullet hairdo, I forgot her name, was a hero for refusing to, to um, sign a gay wedding when she was a clerk. Do
0: mm-hmm. you
2: remember the one And that she went to yeah. jail and came yeah. out? And she was just like, hooray, I've got the world's worst hairdo, and I didn't have to go to jail for refusing gay wedding. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified that the rollback, someone said to me recently an expression, the um, rolling back of democracy, and also the other expression was the backpedaling of democracy. Um, So if you're a millennial um, or a Gen Xer, you really probably don't know what it was like to live in this country when women had to fight for their rights. You're a little too young. And you really don't know what it's like to live in this country when gay Americans had to really fight for their rights could be arrested for being gay cuz you're too young um a lot of us don't know what it's like to live in this country when people were when there was the McCarthy witch hunt and everyone was having their careers ruined and thrown in jail for some semblance of possibly being a communist sympathizer you know but all these things we can be rolling right back into I mean, Roe versus Wade is under attack. I, I just can't believe that that's even something I'm seeing on the news, and even a question of that being under attack. And gay Americans like myself are genuinely concerned about if they will try to attack or repeal a gay marriage. And there was a time when interracial marriage was illegal in this country, as horrifying as that is, if they would appeal try to uh, try to repeal gay marriage would they try to repeal interracial marriage i mean what's next Then a muslim and a christian are allowed to get married like what's next it's a it's a rolling back of democracy that's so terrifying people that are in their 70s and 80s i think are the most frightened because they've seen this before younger people haven't seen anything this bad before but it's past being sad and past being mad and it's Time to be genuinely frightened but not frightened where you are so scared you can't do anything not frightened where you sit back and say well that's not me let them go to jail that's not me let them be deported that's not me let them have their rights taken away because you're next on the list you have to stand up for everybody or eventually it's going to be you no one will stand up for you
1: i i think that at some level and let's um let's talk about this um you know, I can remember back when so many people weren't really clear about whether or not they the the Constitution would uphold the loss of rights. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I wonder about is, you know, we're now looking at the Constitution itself mm-hmm. and what people are saying about what can and cannot happen to it. But, you know, to, to be honest with you, you know, I have a friend that said to me, um, uh, 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 and he talked about what, what's happening. And what he said was fascinating to me. He said, you know, it, it it's, don't you think that that what's going on here with one of the parties is they're just not clever enough. And I said to him, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, the whole thing with changing the majority vote, that's been on the table forever. He said, you know, one party just got to that before the other, because that's why we're sitting here. Because from a a lawmaking perspective, Somebody decided we're not going to do majority anymore, right? Right. We're going to go to this other system. And, and he said, you know, that option was available uh, when the Democrats uh, had control. And he said, well, why do you think that hasn't happened? And I said, it's very simple. The rules of the game have changed. And, you know, the minute that we don't recognize that the rules of the game have changed and they have changed, mm-hmm. then and
2: if we had not a Democrat to, in office, they would change back again.
1: I don't know that. I and I would. don't know why they would. I mean, why would they do that, chef? Well,
2: basically, I'm, if you have a Democrat in office, everything's wrong. You know, everything is caused for, for a riot everything the president does is wrong if you have a republican in office then it's like oh that's okay that's all right there's so many republicans right now who have are really moralistic who are looking the other way about stormy daniels or who Mm. are pro a woman's right to choose and are looking the other way who are anti um the president make double dipping and making money and doing all of these kind of things that are clearly illegal and are looking the other way. So they're mm-hmm. looking the other way because it's a Republican in office. If anything that the current president was doing were done by Barack Obama, he would have been, you know, impeached. There would have been riots. It's just like, it's insane. The um, Supreme Court judge that Trumpelstein just nominated, I'm sorry, I mean Dingleberry, Um, he picked him because he believes in total presidential power. He doesn't believe Mm -hmm. that the president should have to be indicted. He doesn't he and uh, Trump picked him because he thinks he'll get him out of the Mueller investigation. So that is like on the way, total presidential power, is on the way to a dictatorship. You know, I read something. Do you ever read The Atlantic? Kind of always good for a good read. I read something, and I wanted to copy it down to read Mm -hmm. you. Um, Donald Trump is testing the institution of the presidency unlike any of his 43 predecessors. We've never had a president so ill-informed about the nature of his office, so openly mendacious, so self-destructive, or so brazen in his abusive attacks on the court, the press, Congress, including members of his own party, and even senior officials within his own administration. Trump is a Frankenstein's monster of past presidents' worst attributes. Andrew Jackson's Mm -hmm. rage, Millard Fillmore's bigotry, James Buchanan's incompetence and spite, Theodore Roosevelt's self-aggrandizement, Richard Nixon's paranoia, insecurity, and indifference to law, and Bill Clinton's lack of self-control. Just a really interesting read. I copied it and put it on my computer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like the same way if your parents are lying and cheating and stealing and you grow up with that, then you have a whole different moral fabric. You think lying and cheating and stealing is okay. If your commander-in-chief, if the president of the United States lies every day many, many times a day and never apologizes for it, thinks it's okay to steal, thinks it's okay to double-dip, thinks it's okay to um, deflower women, to deface women, to say racist things, to be a racist, to support racists, to say the KKK or mighty fine people. If that's what the commander-in-chief is, then that makes it okay to lie and cheat and be a racist. And I'm sure racism is through the roof, and so is lying and cheating. But what... The problem is, is that we had misjudged the country. We thought we had eight years of Barack Obama, and we thought that meant things were going for the better. The country had elected the first African-American president, and maybe we were finally ready to get through all of our horrible racist paths. But what was really going on was that the racists were just boiling in anger the whole time. And having Trump stand up with all of his racist rhetoric, gave them exactly what they wanted. And so all of that hate and racism and turmoil was here bubbling under the surface, and we just didn't see it. We were protected. And so now it's like the only thing good, and I really do mean the only thing good that I can say about what's happening right now in the White House, is that it's woken us up, that we're speaking out and resisting, but it's also taken away the shadows, and we get to see the evil that has been sizzling on the surface in this country all along. We just didn't know it was there. Maybe if we had just taken a little ride to places like Kentucky, we would have seen it sooner, but still, it's good that we know it's there. We have to change it, and it's not enough to change who is in office, and yes, we should vote, and yes, we should change who is in office, but it's not enough. We have to change the fabric of this country, and the fabric of this country is just embroiled in racism and hatred, and it has
1: to change. Wow. You know, as we sit here and we look at this, the question is really asked sometimes. And that question is, you know, beyond what do we believe, right? It's what are we willing to be educated about? See, I think there are different questions. Uh, There was a poll that was taken, and the poll that was taken asked people do you think that the Supreme Court nomination should be postponed to the election? The majority Absolutely. of people, well, majority of people said no. Wow. And then the next question was, do you believe Roe versus Wade should be overturned? And the majority of people said, no, it should not be. So for me, it's about, how do I stay educated about the issues? And really, that's important to me. It's important to really look at what are the issues and how to stay educated about it. And it's hard, Chef, to get past the rhetoric, it's hard to get past what is really the issue without name-calling, without making up stories about things. And, um, and, and you know, p- part of my family is Latina. And so, of course, we're interested in, you know, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, is running for Congress, you know, of course, she won the primary, and you go look uh, at her site, and if you didn't know anything about her, and you just went for the site, here's what you would read as what she believes in. Medicare for all, a federal jobs guarantee, immigration justice, abolish ICE. Actually, she is the one that made that phrase popular. Clean campaign finance, support, LGBTQIA+, housing as a human right, gun control, assault weapons ban, solidarity with Puerto Rico, higher education, trade schools for all, support seniors, hello, nobody's got that thing on their list, that's a hot potato, a peace economy, Mm -hmm. criminal justice reform, and private prisons, mobilize against climate change, women's rights. Curb Wall Street Gambling, Restore Glass Seagull. So this is somebody that says this is what I believe in and she's out speaking about it.
2: Good for her. Where
1: else do I find that?
2: You know, except the other one right one I'm now my kind of liking right now is Cynthia Nixon. You know, Cynthia yeah. Nixon is kind of shaking things up too. But yeah. I think it's no coincidence that the people who are shaking things up largely are women. It's interesting.
1: Well, I have to say, as as much as we don't like to say it, this particular president, for the first time in a long time that I can remember, Chef, and I'm trying to go back a bunch of years and I'm trying to think really hard. um, Maybe Reagan, but I'm trying. Maybe you know, I'm trying to think when. Mm -hmm. This is the first person in that seat that I can remember in a really long time that says, this is who I am, this is what I believe in, and this is what I'm going to do, and he's doing it. That's now, you true. might not like it, you might not like it, but if we can't find somebody else that's willing to stand up and do the same thing, mm-hmm. then people are saying, people. I know what I got, right? Right? No, so, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So that's the that's the thing. How can you become educated and informed if all you're talking about is how you're going to fight this and fight that and we're not really seeing it. What we're seeing is a grassroots movement, people in the street. But I got to ask you a question. What's that? Uh when was the last time you saw the folks that are really wanting to change stuff in D.C. on the streets together?
2: Well, I think the most empowering thing I've seen in a long time has been the Women's March. Yep. That's why I say it's like women changing the world. But I don't see that kind of power and passion really. I Very rarely do I see it amongst elected politicians or Mm -hmm. politicians running for office. And I think until we see that level of passion and that level of fury and that level of, you know, joie de vivre, you know, amongst elected officials, things are not going to change. We have to vote in people that will speak for us. Right now, there's a lot of good old boys in office that are just kind of like they just want to make their money and appease their donors and, you know, pass the ball, you know. They want to do tax cuts that help the very, very wealthy and really hurt the poor. They want to do tariffs on China that are pretty much going to really hurt the poor. You know, we need people like, um, like maybe um, some of what Bernie Sanders had tried to do when he was running. You know, he had the right mojo and the right message. But he lost all credibility with me because when it was time when he didn't win the the primary, and it was time to then put his support behind Hillary, he really didn't do it. He kind of waited till the last second and begrudgingly did it. He didn't coax his followers into backing her. So all those people who just kind of decided not to vote after that, they're just as much responsible for what's happening now as anybody else is.
1: But let's like, take a short break. And when we come back, let's talk about somebody you mentioned, if we could, because today's show is really looking at America, land of the free, home of the deported. But, right. but as well, it's land of the free, home of the most vocal. When right. we come back, there is somebody you mentioning literally, literally making a ruckus. And what is that ruckus that she's making that some people are looking at very, very clearly? And is she, is she a match, a matchup? Is it the Ali fight of the year? Or is it more like something we dream about and then wake up to something different? Stay tuned. When we come back, more about Cynthia Nixon and more about what does it mean to have a voice in today's world. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Heaven only knows where you been but I don't really need to know I know where you go Join Jennifer Noel Taylor on the hit show Quantum Touch Radio Supercharging your life on transformationtalkradio.com You'll take a quantum journey as we reveal powerful yet simple steps to create more abundance better health, emotional and mental vibrancy, and happier relationships, using universal quantum touch principles. For more information, visit JenniferNoelTaylor.com. Is traditional
2: medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look
0: through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. If you are one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step breakthrough process to understand and resolve the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you are ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. That's TheFearAndAnxietySolution.com or call 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-MIND. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Ness. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet, welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness.
2: Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425 392 0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com.
0: Where you rest in your head, and you just look so beautiful, just like you were an angel. Can I stop the flow at time? Or can I swim in your divide? Cause I don't think I'd ever leave this place. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back. It's great. You're uh, listening here. This is fabulous. You know, you're listening to Raging to Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off. Chef Rossi. Chef, before we jump ahead, please, uh-huh. how can people find out more about you, copy of your book, any and all of the above?
2: Well, they can go to theragingskillet.com, which has always got all kinds of information on me, and the book you can buy on Amazon, and there's always information on theragingskillet.com. You can find me at Chef Rossi on Twitter, Chef Rossi NYC on Facebook, and Chef Rossi NYC on Instagram. And the Raging Skillet play is coming to Wellsleet on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, this August 22nd, and it's coming to St. Louis, This October 4th, and I hope it's coming to a theater near you. So if you are an artistic director or own a theater, then contact me because we want to get Raging Skillet all over this country. America needs the rage. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, All of this, and, you know, we're really excited, first of all, to congratulate you on having the book become a play. I I know. That's super exciting. It's crazy. Uh, so, you know, you're in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm thinking about this and I'm and I'm thinking about you mentioned Cynthia Nixon before. Right. 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 OK. Right. So I'm looking at this I'm looking at Cynthia Nixon and I'm thinking, OK, Cynthia Nixon, for those of you that know, she is making a move. Well, Lifelong yeah. New Yorker, active progressive advocate running for what? Yes, governor. Mm-hmm. That's right. And what I what I love about these people that were actors and then run for government, Ronald Reagan, another example, uh, they know how to speak. So let's just be that. Now, the president, of course, is one of those people, That's but right. they know how to speak. But right. they know how to speak in ways where they get to the point. So I was reading this. And you know, you're you're watching and she says this. She said the divide in our politics isn't between left versus right. It's between those on top and those on the bottom. Right. And then she or references Jay Bowie puts it, it's time to inspire our voters to vote rather than pursue stale corporate centrism. Now that's true. You got to look at it. And then she goes on to say, and I got to tell you, this is a woman that is just not going to shut up. She's not going to go quietly. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just not going to happen. And she went on to talk about the governor of New York, your governor. And she says it's time for Cuomo to stop gaslighting women. For years, he's claimed he's fighting to pass Reproductive Health Act, Comprehensive Contraceptive Coverage Act. Yet for years, he's made the choice to side with the Republicans. Now our reproductive freedom's at risk. And so it's interesting to watch her come out of nowhere. And if if anybody knows anything, she is not quiet. Is this- what people want more of, or as some of my friends say, ah, that's just New York. Hello, let me remind you, you have somebody from New York in the White House now.
2: That's true, unfortunately, but we don't want to claim him. He's somebody we want to throw out, just to, just for the record. What I mm-hmm. like about Cynthia, is, even though it's really a long shot for her to be governor, mm-hmm. she's shaking things up, and she's shaking Cuomo up. And she's mm-hmm. shaking things up so much that if she doesn't win, which probably she won't—I mean, it's such a long shot—but she doesn't win, there really is a future for her no matter what. Like, and this, there is a time for honest, brave, strong women. It's a time for honest, brave, strong everyone in politics. Right now, there's not—don't there seem to be enough brave people. Like, you'll have Republicans who will denounce what they see as being wrong when they know that they're no longer running for office, when they know they're retiring. But people who are not retiring and who are going to run for office, they're, they're keeping their mouth shut because they're afraid. They think it's going to hurt them, you know, with the, the minions of the brainwashed, you know. But it's also the Democrats. Mm-hmm. We need more people that are brave there, too. It's like, I always feel... Like, the Democrats, they remind me of those kids in school when there was a bully, and there would mm-hmm. always be some kid who went over and gave them chewing gum or candy to, like, be nice to them so they wouldn't beat them up. You know, that's how I feel like the Democrats are. Like, they're trying so hard to be nice, and if they're really nice, maybe everyone will be overwhelmed by the niceness, and they'll also be nice. And they're trying to be nice to these old, stodgy right winger conservatives who were like, all right, I'll take your candy and your gum and then I'll stab you in the back. You know, it just doesn't work. So even though I think we need a lot of powerful women, we also need to have a lot of people with big, giant balls. So, We need Mm. big, powerful women with big, giant balls. That's what we need.
1: Um, You know, for me, um, I'm really looking at we have a historic record that's being um, annihilated right now in the history of this country. There are more women that have got engaged in politics. Um, I can see it here in the state that I live in. And of course, we're starting to see it in many other places in many other states. Um, The question that I would ask is, you know, what is it about the women that are coming forward that are different than, shall I call it, the old guard of women that we know because there are some differences chef and i'm not just talking on the democrat side i'm talking on both sides i'm just talking women period stepping forward
2: mm-hmm. well we need our women now you know mm-hmm. women have really been the conversation i think i i think the 2017 It's definitely going to go down in history as the year of the woman for a lot of different reasons. Um, A president who thought it was okay to grab women by their genitalia, whether they liked it or not, was somehow still elected and inaugurated. The Women's March happened. That was the hugest one-day protest in history. It changed the world and has since been continuing to change the world. The Me Too movement really took off in this way that it was so timely and so important. Harvey Weinstein may be going to jail, and Bill Cosby, it appears, is going to jail. And all of those decades and decades of sexual harassment, hundreds of years, thousands of years of sexual harassment, are now being called out. So it's kind of like the we're not going to take it anymore year. It may even mm-hmm. turn into the we're not going to take it anymore decade. Um mm-hmm. I do think at times the Me Too thing goes a little too far, you know, where people who didn't necessarily do anything that bad, you know, have lost their career. But I think it's hugely important. And coming from an occupation where sexual harassment was just as common as adding salt and pepper, I mean, being a professional chef in the 80s, You got sexually harassed every day, every time you went to work. It just was part of the game. I didn't even recognize it as sexual harassment. So thank God the Me Too movement happened. And I think in some ways, I've thought about it, but I think in some ways um, Donald Trump being elected is the reason that the Me Too movement took off, because women were so horrified that the same person has said all those terrible things on the Access Hollywood tape, who's cheated on every wife he's ever had, who's been married three times, who's had affairs with porno stars, and then tried to pay them off and tried to abuse them out of the picture. You know, this, the guy who still got elected, it really kind of made the snap of the, we're not going to take it anymore. And then you had Harvey Weinstein exposed and all of the other monsters who have been getting exposed. So from terrible things sometimes come good things, and maybe... Our finding our battle cry and our our fed-upness enough to, like, take back our power was perhaps something good that came of it. Mm -hmm. And so now we have some momentum. We have our Women's March. We have people who are woken up. We have millennials who never were interested in politics, who suddenly are. Now we're facing with this terrible fear of what's going to happen with Mm -hmm. 30 or 40 years of an all of a largely conservative Supreme Court. I mean, we could be watching things that I didn't really think I would see again in my lifetime. And so Mm -hmm. we have to stand up, and we have to be loud, and we have to speak out, and we have to convince everyone to vote, and we have to convince people not to look the other way. You know, the people I want to be talking to are not Democrats. It's like preaching to the choir. I want to talk to Republicans. I have Republican friends, my brother and his wife voted for the president. They thought he would be good for Israel, and they only vote based on what's good for Israel. I have a dear friend of many years who I've been trying to stay friends with, even though he is a gay man living in New York Mm -hmm. and always votes Republican. I think Mm -hmm. being a gay Republican is kind of ridiculous, but being a gay Republican living in New York is sort of even more so. Um, So, you know, our friendship is you, really over the years consisted of us not talking about politics and just having the friendship exist and never discussing politics and that's how the friendship existed. But after the election, I told him, look, I can no longer do that. You know, you voted for this guy who believes in, in the sexual assault of women who is a racist, who place to go. wants do to you... take away a woman's right to choose. You know, you clearly aren't affected by this. You're a white man. You're a banker you're voting republican because you're a banker but your friends all around you are affected by this and eventually mm-hmm. if you want to marry your boyfriend you're going to be affected by this because he may very well attack that too so i don't know i don't know that it really did any good to talk about it but i keep trying the conversation anyway
1: well you know i think for a uh, uh, i think for a lot of people it gets very confusing i think it's not confusing when you take a look at pictures of infants being separated from parents and even with that image even with that image there is a feeling about the righteousness of protecting our borders so right. it's really quite confusing you know for people it's, yes, I believe in my protecting our borders. And how really awful do I feel about these people that are not in our country being separated from children? I mean, I can literally quote what was said to me very recently, that you knew what you were getting in when you came here. You knew what this pres- as if people do know this. No, they're escaping, right? But but here's the sentiment that we're not talking about. It's the same sentiment that we didn't talk about when we had a black president. We didn't really talk about how many people really didn't like that. Right, Let's we just didn't be talk clear about
2: here.
1: Well, not even racism. We didn't talk about that. We hid it behind, ah, uh, he's gotta be a Muslim. But here we are, here's what's confusing. We're looking at these people and we're looking at the Democrats. So forget about the Republicans for a minute. And you, you hear all the rhetoric about that. But the one thing for sure that you can look at when you look at the voting process is in the Senate, three Democrats voted last time, voted it for. Uh, Supreme Court Justice that's now in his seat. Mm-hmm. Three of them. Neil Gorsuch. And yet again, we're not focusing on those folks who, by the way, are up for election. So I'm just trying to understand what Democrat like McCaskill or Heitkamp or Manchin or even Donnelly, right? But but the Heitkamp and Manchin, uh, McCaskill, what do they say to the people that voted for them, because they're Democrats, how did they talk to them and say, I am a Democrat, but I think I know that you want me not to be a Democrat. So that's right. why I voted that. Well, I don't even understand that. Of,
2: they're supposed to take care of their constituents.
1: Okay, but, but how did they get elected as Democrat. See, I'm confused. I'm so confused about this. And I think I'm the only one that is listening that is confused about this, Mm -hmm. that we're not really understanding. It would be like over here in Washington state with the two, the the two that we have over here saying to Patty, Patty Murray. Okay. Like, okay. I know like, you're like a Democrat, uh, but wait a minute, you're going to vote. What, what are you going to vote? But you're a Democrat and we've you got voted in there because like why? Because there are people that voted for you because what you believe in but now you're flipping it up I I think this is what we have. We have a national state of confusion. Because I'm pretty up on current events and I'm confused, mm-hmm. chef. Well, and I, I, think, I just you know, wonder where it, where where how we get clarity.
2: I think no, I keep going back to the bravery thing. You know, it's like a catch twenty two. We want a politician who is brave and honest, who's gonna say, This is how I feel, this is how my constituents feel, this is what it means to be a Democrat, I'm gonna fight for it. So of course that's what we want. But a lot of times to be brave and honest means possibly losing votes. And so we're looking at a whole bunch of politicians who are not honest and are not brave and are just keeping their mouths shut when things are happening that they know are wrong because they don't want to lose votes.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean,
2: we've got some outspoken people like Chuck Schumer is very outspoken. I sort of appreciate that. But, you know, it's kind of like enough with the old school. I kind of like Gillibrand, you know. But I think it's time for some fresh blood, some new people and maybe are just young enough and just naive enough to be able to be outspoken. Like, I feel like the older these politicians get, the less they're apt to open their mouth. Although, I've heard that Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders want to make a run for president in 2020, and they're both going to be, Mm -hmm. like, pushing 80 at that point. Joe Biden I kind of miss, by the way. He was Mm -hmm. someone who I think was outspoken and, and honest. I mean, what do you think? I think he was better than most. You know,
1: I'm not judging people by their past, Chef. I can't. You know, for me, I'm trying to figure out where the people are that are going to support my rights today. Not That's what you point. said four years ago. Not, and with Bernie, I mean, uh, you know, I, I I wanted to say Bernie, I, I, I really appreciate Bernie Sanders, but didn't appreciate him having a dis- playing the Invisible Man when Clinton was running. Um, exactly, and, I can't b- forgive him for that. But, but still, that was then, this is now. That was then, this is now. So I'm just looking for the now. And mm-hmm. you know, in Washington State here, Maria Cantwell, uh, and they're calling her safe. That's a safe phrase. Uh, Maria, I just want to say to you, honey, the I, I, Senator, I don't know that anybody's safe. Gillibrand, they're saying, is safe. I don't know you're safe either. No,
2: and nobody so what,
1: is. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is you're looking at these folks. I will say I do think two of them are safe. I think Feinstein's going to be safe and Murphy's going to yeah. be safe. I think they're yeah. safe. Why do we know? Because they're on MSNBC every night. Right, right, right. They're
2: making <laughs> sure of it. And Feinstein's like, what, 84 or something?
1: I don't know. She looks she's great. She's she's just yeah, kicking she's it fantastic. down there in Palm Springs, Palm Desert. She's, you know. She's
2: fantastic.
1: Uh, yeah. But the point is, I want to know who I can believe in but I'm not hearing anybody, and I'm not going to base it on what somebody said four years ago, Chef. That's a right. dilemma
2: right, no, right that's now. Smart. That's smart. It's like you have to be like, who's, who is doing the right thing right now? Right now, I think the only person I feel excited about at this moment is Cynthia Nixon.
1: Mm-hmm. But, you
2: know, we'll see what happens. I think she's going to motivate a lot of other people. I know there's a group called Emily's List, you've probably heard of, that's really mm-hmm. trying to support and champion women running for office. Mm-hmm. I know that they got the women who created the Women's March together to run for office. So I think there's like a lot of bright flames that are going to be flaring mm-hmm. up very soon.
1: But, but uh, you know, enough. let's just be very clear, though, that we are a democracy, And as much as you may not like a candidate in office, let's just be very clear at the moment that, you know, this is somebody that has a 41 percent favorability. So as much as we look at people that are in office, whether it's Obama, whether it's Bush, uh, whether it's the other with George Bush, George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, You know, we look at things, right? Mm -hmm. And we look at the people that say, yes. So here you have a 41% favorability, but a 43% we approve of what the job you're doing. So I don't believe that we're living in a place right now that truly believes that we are on the wrong track. Here's what I say, Chef, if you're ready for it.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm ready.
1: Remember when we were hearing right track, wrong track, there was statistics that was so such a huge gap. And, you know, given everything you and I just talked about, everything in the headlines, you would expect to see some of these polls, right, mm-hmm. show complete disappointment. They're not showing that, that. Jeff. That's not it, that's not it. I mean, in the congressional vote, it's a 7.3% margin. Uh, People on the wrong track, only 13%. Unfavorability, only 11%. But here we go, 9% disapprove, and guess what? That's not even the people that don't vote margin. So what I'm trying to say is that if there is a voice to protect women, to protect rights, I guess I'm still waiting for it, Chef.
2: I guess I am, too. But I feel like rather than it being our politicians that are going to like someone's going to stand up, a rising star is going to stand mm-hmm. up and lead the way, like, kind of like we thought Obama was going to do. I think it's going to be the people that force the politicians. Like, I think things like the Women's March, the March Against Gun Control, all of the protests, the ACLU, the people in the street, I think it's going to be the people forcing the politicians rather than the other way around. And so just pay attention to what happens in November and get everyone you know to vote, even if you don't think they're going to vote the way you want them to vote. At least get them to vote too many people that are so sickened and saddened that they're staying home and not speaking out for themselves. We just need to be a wave of patriotism like this country hasn't seen Mm -hmm. in hundreds of years.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, in a closing note from me, and then I'd like to hear your closing note, I think we need more sit downs like Mm -hmm. Patty Boyd opening up to Taylor Swift and having that conversation multi-generational conversation about what life is about. And so if we do not close the gap in our differences and in our generations and open up a dialogue, we will be confused for a long time. Chef, you're closing.
2: I think I grew up thinking that democracy was powerful, that America, the United States was the most powerful nation in the world, and that have a democracy was this superhuman force of wonder. But now I understand that, first of all, the United States is no longer the most powerful nation in the world and it's getting weaker every day. But second of all, that democracy is not invincible, that democracies can topple, that you can see a slow erosion and dismantling of a democracy, that it is possible that there could come a day that the United States is no longer a democracy. I can't even watch The Handmaid's Tale anymore without freaking out. And, I mean, it's just terrifying. So we have to stop thinking of it like we live under this powerful shield because our shield has got lots of holes and splinters and it's starting to erode every day little by little. And a yeah. major part of that erosion is coming from hate, from us hating each
1: other. Wow. Well, thank you, Chef. Thank you, because this is a time for all of us To find our voice, find it. I know you've got it. You've been listening to Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef Rossi. Tune in on Transformation Talk Radio. And if you have missed any part of this, check it out at theragingskillet.com or transformationtalkradio.com. Say hi to Chef Rossi, let her know what's on your mind, and we will bring it to the next show. Visit theragingskillet.com, and don't forget to get your own copy of the hit memoir, The Raging Skillet by Chef Rossi. See you next time.
0: The preceding audio was via
1: a Skype call.